Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a nonprofit organization and podcast that is, I have not been saying this is a nonprofit on the podcast. I don't know why that just came out. But we'll just run with it. It is still it is still a nonprofit. We are still accepting donations uh, to support people and just getting them connected to the mental health resources that they need post STI diagnosis. If that's something that they're struggling with, uh, my overall intention here is to give people the resources they need in order to navigate the stigma of an STI diagnosis. And the podcast features interviews from sex educators and STD prevention professionals, as well as mental health uh, professionals and we interview people who have lived experiences in these spaces as well from navigating STI stigma to challenges with their mental health as well you can support the organization you can check out what we got going on and see all of the podcast episodes at www.spfpp.org where you will also find additional resources if you need ongoing support for any of the stigma challenges that you're facing i'm really trying to get more into the mental health aspect of this uh than the sexual health aspect so that more people can kind of like feel comfortable articulating things from that perspective rather than being like i have herpes but to be like hey i was impacted by this thing and get people like to understand the mental health piece and then go into what their diagnosis is. I think there's a completely different framework for being receptive to that. I am talking as if I've already introduced you. Today's <laughs> guest today's guest is Adriel Dale, the founder of are we calling it H Opportunity or Herpes Opportunity? Herpes Opportunity, yeah. All right. And you and I crossed paths four ish years ago. <laughs> oh man, this is yeah. wild. So uh there's a podcast episode I did. I forget what number it is, but uh it was done with Laura Aisha on the Ignite Intimacy podcast. We went to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Adriel actually put together the presentation, the uh, the the slides that we use to go through the conversation on making herpes disclosure sexy. We were also with Lauren Weininger of the Safe app and Ashley Manta, who is known as the Canisexual. And yeah, you you were a part of that. We didn't we didn't get to meet. You had a child at the time, yeah. and you couldn't. Yeah, be I was as supposed involved. to go, but then <laughs> having having a baby yeah. can throw uh, throw wrenches in plans. Yeah, yeah. Where where are you located? North Carolina. Oh oh, I don't know why I thought you were on the West Coast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you've been around for quite some time. How old is the herpes opportunity? Um, it just celebrated its 10 year anniversary, uh, in 2021. So yeah, it's been, been around 10 years. Um, and yeah, I've, I've had herpes from uh, between 10 and 15 years. I don't remember the exact, <laughs> the exact date, but yeah, it's been, yeah, so after a certain point, you just kind of lose count. It's, it's been over this many years. like So I try to right. think where I was and what was going on, and I'm like, I think that was this year, but maybe that year. And 2020 is a good excuse for us to be able to do that. Like It either oh stopped God. time or just made time fly by that much faster. So um, you yeah. and I connected recently over a graphic that I've seen circulated within different herpes support groups, and uh, it is... the 
headline is what's the risk and you got some pretty graphics statistics and things like that and you pointed out that it was from like 2014 so i wanted to connect with you and just kind of talk about like how that got started like you're uh getting involved with wanting to share the statistics and information what what is your essentially your origin story and i'll just let you talk and we'll go from there been around since before 2014 that was one of the first things that i that i put together um for herpes opportunity and the reason i put it together was because i was completely lost when i first got herpes i was like okay what am i supposed to believe what am i supposed like what are the facts like i was trying to ground myself in some sort of reality because i was like swimming right i was swimming in shame i was swimming in stigma and I was just like, okay, where is truth? Like, is there a capital T truth out there that can like make me feel better about myself? And where I first turned was stats and like, okay, basically what, if I were to break it down, like what, what is the chance of me living a happy future? That's what I was trying to find in the stats. Um, you know, cause if it's, if the percentage of like possibly transmitting this to a partner is low enough, then maybe I... Maybe I have a chance, right? But I, I wasn't even that hopeful back then because I was just like so deep in it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the origin story, I don't know how, how deep you want me to go into this, but just like the, you know, I, I got herpes from a partner who cheated on me. So there was this this whole other layer of, of shame that came from, you know, what herpes meant to me. And I was also... I'm embarrassed to say it, but I was one of those people who would make fun of people with herpes and people with STIs, right? I would be like, oh, yeah, those people, you know? So I was busy judging all, you know, those quote-unquote dirty people out there. And then, you know, I get herpes, and then I'm like, oh, man. Like, subconsciously, I was like, I guess I need to be judging myself now, (laughs) you know? Like, I'm one of them. It was just the most, like, the big, big mindfuck. I hope it's okay that we cuss on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, you're fine. I'll just check um, that little box that says explicit. We're good. Doesn't change yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, you talk about kind of the, you know, the the range of how, how people kind of deal with and process a herpes diagnosis. You know, it's a, it's, it's a range. You know, some people get super deep in, in shame and stigma and other people are like, oh, you know, it's, it, it happens, right? And and each person is like a different spot along that spectrum. I would say I was pretty low on that spectrum. I was pretty close to like the this is oh, this is horrible. <laughs> so I, I went I went on kind of that that fact finding spree and realizing that there wasn't anything that was like that was out there that could be a quick reference, you know, of like. You know, if I'm disclosing to a partner and they ask me, you know, okay, so what are the chances of me getting this? I would not have known how to answer that. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I mean, you might get it. You might not. Actually, back then when I first got it, I was under the impression that if I breathed around other people, I was going to give them herpes. You know, I mean, it was like, <laughs> like the stigma was that bad that I was just thinking, yeah, there's no way that I can have a quote unquote normal sex life. You know, I thought that was just the end for me so i was really deep in it um so 
so then I started, I put, I put that out there, the, the facts, I put that out there with the free ebook that I put together on kind of the, you know, what you cover too in your podcast and everything, like the, the perspective of this, like what is the, I call it the opportunity perspective because it's herpes opportunity, but it's like, what is the, like what is the empowering perspective here? What is the positive, something positive perspective here? You know, what is the optimistic perspective and i wrote that ebook so the, the handout and the ebook were kind of you know left brain and right brain right it's like we got the data here for all the left brain people it's like i just want the data you know no emotions just just tell me the science right and then the other side of it which is, isn't as you know it isn't as as easy is the emotional side of it and the, you know, what's happening in my mind? What, what are my thoughts saying? What are my beliefs about what it means to be a person who has herpes, right? Like what stories am I telling myself? Like what feelings come with that? What is, what is my sexuality, right? Like what, how, how is this going to impact my life? Like all of those, that's a rabbit hole that a lot of people like, we can cling to facts and we can cling to like, if I can find out the percentage of this versus that, then maybe I'll be okay. It, it feels better as kind of the first foray into figuring this stuff out to like look at the facts and look at the, the percentages. But that's just the beginning point, you know? It was like, that's the, that's the doorway into starting to have like a, at least some firm ground to stand on to then start to dig deeper into the emotions of it mm -hmm. right yeah you said a lot there and i just let you talk because everything you're saying is these are things that have come up on the podcast consistently that the information out there is very inconsistent and if you just google herpes you're under the impression that this is what your genitals are going to look like for the rest of your life <laughs> No one knows really about outbreaks until you have one and then it goes away. You're like, oh, looks like nothing ever happened. All right. This is manageable. Yeah. So as you start to have these experiences with uh, your diagnosis yourself, you start to see how to treat your body, how to manage symptoms, how to uh, deal with the physical piece. And then you can begin to deal with the mental piece because now you have your beliefs challenged by your lived experiences and you can begin to reframe what those beliefs are. You said something interesting about your experience that uh, you thought that, you know, the people who got herpes were this and that dirty, disgusting, whatever language it was that you use. And then you were cheated on. And then this was your diagnosis. So what I often come across is that people believe whatever it is that they believe about people who have herpes. Now that they get it, it's like, ha, the tables have turned. Now I'm one of those people. Right. And you go yeah. through having to really examine within yourself. What does that actually mean? And in your case, alongside your diagnosis, you were cheated on in other people's cases of their diagnosis. There's some sort of a story, a narrative that is tied to that that parallels whenever they think about herpes they perhaps think about the trauma associated with it whatever that circumstance was and the feeling that's associated with it now while this is rare uh, some people are 
like put at ease and alleviated from it because they're with a partner that they love who has herpes. That partner has anxiety about giving herpes to this partner who doesn't have it more so than the partner who doesn't have it is concerned about getting it. And then when that moment happens, it's like, oh, finally, we can like breathe. And there's like this period of anxiety for the person who gave it to the partner, but the other person's like, hey, look, you know, I love you. And in these cases, this is the only time where I've heard of people being relieved to finally have herpes. But in a lot of cases, I'm learning that herpes and HIV and HPV, um, the cancerous versions, are the three things that nobody wants to have. Herpes, there's medication now that alleviates symptoms as best it can, and then you have to take care of your body. Uh, there's PrEP, the medication that uh, eliminates the risk of passing HIV onto a partner. And then for HPV, we have random vaccines for people, uh, for different strains of the virus. When you get any of these STIs, the, the narrative alongside it, because this is something that is lifelong, it tends to just go along with it and that is something that you have to deal with as well. So I preface this question with all of that to ask you, was there any dialogue around your self-worth that came alongside having being cheated on and gotten herpes? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it was a, the, the thing that I always say around like whatever comes up around a herpes diagnosis, it's like it's not the herpes that brought it up that was already there you know what i mean like the, the herpes diagnosis is the is like the, the big excavator shovel that like digs down into the dirt and like unearths all this stuff that you're like maybe we're unaware that was there or maybe just suppressing it subconsciously but it like digs it up and you're like it's easy to blame it on the herpes and like oh i feel unworthy now because i got herpes or i feel unworthy now because i got cheated on but the truth is, like, and I went through that phase of, like, blaming blaming herpes for everything. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, herpes isn't a walk in the park. It's not like, yay, everyone get herpes, this, this great thing. But it's it wasn't the enemy that was ruining my life, you know? Like, I had self-worth issues going way back before then, you know? So, so yeah, it, it, getting cheated on and then getting herpes was, like, it was almost like this twisted proof in my mind, like, oh, see, you all, you always, you were wondering, like, if you, if you, if you weren't really worth it now, now here's your proof, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, it was like a dagger to the heart, like, ah, oh, man, that, that worry that I always had is now true. Mm. Yeah. I feel like, uh, for me, what I've learned to deal with as a result of my herpes diagnosis that came up was fear of rejection, like just completely yeah. avoiding rejection at all costs. And I'll even argue that even the creation of this podcast is a way of avoiding rejection because, all right, it's out there. Anyone who filters their way in should know that I have herpes and there's no reason for me to experience rejection because if this is something you're not okay with, then you won't get through the filter. You'll be turned off by it immediately walk away in the other direction and we won't have an interaction. But that is not <laughs> that is not the case at all. So even however we go about trying to uh, avoid whatever that underlying feeling is that comes along with our diagnosis, we have to face it like we the reality is we have to face that in order to get through whatever stigmatization we have uh, alongside our own diagnosis. So for you, 
uh, when you were dealing with this for yourself, how did you deal with the thing that was already there prior to the herpes? Well, I eventually, like once I kind of summoned up the courage to start dealing with it, and by the way, courage is a choice, you know, and sometimes like courage, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm not courageous or, oh, that person over there is really courageous. Look at them, you know, but it's like courage is a choice. And sometimes that choice happens after experiencing so much pain that like you have to be, I have to be courageous now or else I'm going to keep living this same like lonely life. I mean, that was my, that was my story. Like I, I experienced so much pain that I had to be courageous and I had to start like working through a lot of that shame and a lot of that, the older patterns that had been in me already way before herpes, but herpes was the opportunity (laughs) to, (laughs) uh, to actually like for, for the first time in my life, really, really start looking at this stuff and really start practicing a new way of seeing myself you know, not as a victim, but as like a, you know, kind of the, the creator of my own perspective. Like I get to choose how I'm seeing my life. You know, I'm the author of like, what is, what does my life look like? And I, I get to interpret these things within the realm of reality. Not like, I'm like, Hey, I'm a unicorn now, but like, yeah, this happened to me, but I, I get to choose whether that happened to me. And now I'm a broken person versus that happened to me. And now I am actually using that as leverage for living the best version of myself possible. What did that like, process look like for you? Beginning to choose courage. Were there exercises? Were there books, podcasts, any practices that you Everything. had? Everything. <laughs> I, I went through, okay, so, you know, you, you hear that phrase hitting rock bottom. You know, I think I think mostly you hear it in in like AA, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. But hitting rock bottom is a is a potentially hugely transformative experience. You know, so I hit rock bottom, and I was like, "All right, I'm going to be this this phoenix rising from the ashes." You know, like okay, like, and I put some fire under my ass. And be like, all right, I'm going to sign up for three self development like experiences all within like a month of each other. I'm going to like, I'm going to start a a group. I'm going to like, I, I put myself through the ringer of like, I am changing my life now. Right. Like it was this because I've, you've probably heard that, um, that quote from Anais Nin. I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to try to remember it. I'll butcher quotes Um, all the time. Go for it. Do what you can. This is a safe space to put your quote. Yeah. Um, Quotes come here and die. (laughs) And the time came when the risk that it took to stay all tied up tight in a bud became less than the risk that it took to blossom. So I was tight in a bud of like feeling like I just, I need to protect myself from potential rejection. You know, I need to protect myself from my 
my own internal rejection of myself and and I don't want to put myself out there in the world whether it be dating or telling my friends or whatever I'm just I I am going to be alone and that is okay that was the story I was telling myself I'm okay I, this is going to be my secret and I I like I am not going to have sex with anyone ever again like I'm just going to deal with it I'm going to become a monk you know like whatever it's going to be fine <laughs> and you know that like feeling wrapped up in a bud for long enough creates so much suffering that like you finally have to like take that risk to blossom so that that's where like the after hitting rock bottom i was like okay i'm blossoming damn it <laughs> you know like i'm i'm doing this this is terrifying to me but i'm doing it i started going to a an in person support group in uh, planned parenthood here in North Carolina, amazing support group, and then and then started to lead that support group um, after I don't know how long, but it was a it was that was probably one of the first steps that showed me my hall of mirrors. And what I mean by that is, I was like in this in this sealed up, hermetically sealed container of shame, and I thought. The second that I tell anyone who isn't my close family, because my mom was the first person I told, but like outside of my core core peeps, if I tell anyone about this, they're gonna look at me like with disgust, and they're not gonna want to be in my life. You know, just everyone, society in general, I was gonna be shunned, right? But when I when I went to that in person herpes support group. And I walked through that door. Oh my God. I was like, I was expecting to just be like destroyed, even though it was other people who had herpes. It was, it was the first time that I was in person with people I didn't know. And I was like, yeah, I have herpes. And it, and it shattered all those, all those mirrors and in, in my hall of mirrors. And was like, Oh, this is actually a relief to just, not a relief that oh yay I have herpes but like a relief that I'm like I'm a human being oh y'all are human beings too cool but like we're human beings together and it was like this camaraderie and this connection that I felt with with these other people that it was just this safe space for transformation to happen yeah uh in my experience something that I noticed was on the dating sites and the support groups I began to lean into those as my self uh, in comparison to people that I've spent like a lot of my time with prior to my diagnosis. I played sports. Uh, I had teammates. I had classmates. I had partners. I had friends, family. And the people in these spaces that all had herpes and knew that I had herpes, I feel they got the real me and I liked how I became. I became, I was more funny. I was more attractive. I was more decisive. I was more of who I liked myself as than I was outside of those spaces. And it really clicked for me one day when a friend was like, Hey, uh, are you all right? Like, you don't seem like yourself. And I was like looking at my phone, I'm sure like texting someone from the groups or in group chats and things like that. And that's when it hit me. I was like, I'm being two different people. Why do I like myself more in these spaces with people who know nothing about me except that I have herpes in comparison to people who know everything about me except that I have herpes? And so 
I found this sense of peace and clarity for myself when these two pieces of myself were able to come together without that that barrier of stigma between the two, thinking that I couldn't tell people who knew everything about me that I have herpes and the people who only knew that I had herpes, like I felt like I could tell them anything about me and not have any fear of judgment. So that all said, you know, if it wasn't herpes, what else would that be thing be? Herpes stigma was what kept who I was from being who I wanted to be. And the opportunity here is to explore, all right, if not herpes, then what? And then start to lean into whatever that is and learn what the lesson is in order to take away from that. Yeah, yes. That's beautifully said, man. Yes, that's it. That's so right on. 100%. Big, big <laughs> flashing letters. Yeah. Because, like, gosh, with so many, like, uh, like first-time clients, the, the, the number one thing they say is, God, I mean, I... I just, I wish it was anything but herpes, right? And I'm like, well, everyone has their stuff, you know? Like, this just happens to be your your mountain that you that you get to climb, right? And it, I know it sounds kind of weird when I start saying, like, especially even herpes opportunity, you know, to, to outside people, like, other than you and me, maybe, you know, like, oh, really? oh wow, this guy's saying it's an opportunity, God, you know? But, like, but that that this is like everyone's got their thing that you know, maybe you've heard of the book the obstacle is the way like this is it like you're climbing over this obstacle to prove to yourself that you can do it and through that process you're actually becoming a better version of yourself right because in order to be the kind of person who is like yeah okay herpes is just a thing it's just another one of those things in my life that like you know i'm working through Right. And, and that's the, like, that's the empowering thing, right? Because you're actually creating, like, you're actually living your values in a deeper way through having a, having a challenge, having like a formidable opponent, you know, as it were. And can we even argue too, that you say you're living your values, but also you might be living in a way where your values aren't clearly defined. And this is something that puts you on track to, identify what's important to you identify how you want to show up because you learn how you don't want to show up eventually you just get tired like you mentioned hitting rock bottom like you get tired of being at rock bottom like eventually you get to a point where you're like something has to change i don't know what so i'm gonna do something it might be it might mean picking up that book it might mean uh dialing up that coach finding yourself a therapist, talking to a friend, doing some sort of action to pull yourself out of whatever your rock bottom is. And I always say here, man, if it wasn't herpes, it could be something else. Like, I am so thankful that I wasn't in uh, a situation where like you hear famous people all the time with their stories of eating out of trash cans or being completely homeless or having experienced a severe loss or having been in an accident and almost dying. Right. So if yeah. it was just this, like occasionally skin abrasions, occasionally I get ghosted for telling someone that I have herpes or experiencing rejection, which the feelings that come from this are all at the same or similar levels of intensity depending on a person's life situation but the 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 actual situation that happens like 
this was ideal for me because it also breaks into the area of sex and sexuality and what my identity is around being a sexual being and having that be so much of where my identity is tied to. I now have to and had to at the time of my diagnosis begin to look at that. So I would much rather have had to look at my sexuality and how I view and use sex with partners and up my communication skills than have to be rehabilitating a knee or mourning the loss of a loved one in order to have gotten to this point. Yeah. Oh, I, got, I have two things I want to say about this. This is great. Yes, I love, I'm loving this riff. So one is like the... Um, it's funny when you try to hold two things in your mind, you forget both of them. Uh, so <laughs> yes. Okay. So the first thing <laughs> is like when, when we actually like recognize that, you know, everyone's got their stuff and everyone goes through their stuff and we go through our stuff in like a conscious way. And we actually like fully process the stuff that we're going through. It's like it gives us x-ray vision to recognize all of the other people who are also going through something or have gone through something. And that leads to like a deeper connection with a fellow human being. Like Brene Brown talks about, you know, the, the vulnerability equals connection, right? Like whenever we can like process some things, process shame or, or pain to the degree that we're actually able to talk about it from a place of strength and self-acceptance, and we share that with another human being, it opens the door to deeper connection because they, most likely, have also gone through something. Maybe it's not herpes. Maybe it's not even an STI. Maybe it's whatever, a death, death of a loved one early on in their life or recently. There's, 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 a, there's a connection that comes from pain that's kind of ironic. I don't think I've ever felt the level of connection that I've felt with someone that is that is that is actually tied to connecting on wow yeah we've 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 suffered not that we're like oh my gosh I've suffered and da, 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 but like oh yeah the fact that you have suffered in a similar way and like that we're able to talk about it it's like there's a felt sense of even deeper connection, right? And that's what I talked to around like disclosure being an opportunity too, right? That, that when you can disclose from that place of like, hey, everyone's got their stuff. This happens to me, be my thing. I wanna, I wanna share this with you because I really like, I really value integrity and I really value blah, 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 all of these things, honesty. This is the kind of relationship that I want. Like that disclosure conversation isn't really about herpes anymore. It's really about like, let's have a conversation and then feel what it's like to be in relationship to each other or with each other. Right. It sounds like connecting through grief in a way, because we grieve our future sexual selves, our present sexual selves after a herpes diagnosis. And to be able to grieve the loss of identity 
and how you might have imagined that you are or will be in the future, like that's kind of what that x-ray vision is. It's like being in the matrix, right? Because other people have grieved or are grieving the loss of their own identities. And, you know, different people are at different levels with it. So that pain that you speak to is a shared pain of loss of identity. Like we're, we're all grieving to some extent when we've been through a traumatic event that led to the experiencing of intense emotions. Is that kind of accurate statement? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's the, when it becomes rocket fuel for self growth and, and, and the connection with others is when we can truly accept it. Right. Because you can easily kind of slip into that victim mentality of like feeling that deep pain and feeling like, why me? You know, and this is, I'm, I'm horrible. I, you know, like you create all of these negative narratives about yourself, but the turning point comes when you actually embrace all of it. You embrace your whole life, including herpes, including all the bad quote unquote stuff that has happened to you. And you embrace all of it as like, this all makes me stronger. This all makes me more connected to my fellow human beings in this world. Right. And 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 that is like that's where the magic happens. <laughs> I'm not sure if I answered your question. What was your question? <laughs> no, no, you just elaborated more. That was it. Uh, I'm okay. curious to know because you've been around for more than ten years. I would say that I'm going on year five of having uh, been producing the Something Positive for Positive People podcast. Uh, how lonely was it? Because at that time, I don't think there were a lot of people who were doing any sort of outspoken herpes education advocacy or anything like that was it just you was there anyone else who was out around that time because we're talking like 2010 2011 ish yeah it was just me um i mean as far as i knew i mean i definitely like went through the phases of you know at first i thought i was all alone as the person with herpes and then i bucked that bs and then I kind of went into this whole like, you know, I, I need to I need to help others in the way that I needed help when I was first diagnosed. So I just went on this rampage of like putting out blogs and audio and doing a in-person weekend seminar and just all of this stuff. And it, it wasn't lonely so much. It was just like I was so inspired by the work. I wasn't even aware if other people were doing the same thing. <laughs> I wasn't even like looking out there to see if other people were doing the same thing. I was just like so gung-ho about like helping as many people as I could. Um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is actually the, I think it's, this is maybe one of the first, maybe Laura was one of the first uh, interviews where I've interviewed a fellow herpes you know freedom fighter <laughs> you know i like that um, so much better than activist i hate like when people say herpes activist i'm like i'm not i'm not being an activist for people to get herpes like that's what i think <laughs> you know what i'm saying like so when i hear it I always try and correct course i'm like yeah herpes education advocacy that's what this is oh this is about freeing ourselves from shame and stigma man mm-hmm. and that's the, that is like the, that is the good fight i don't even like the word fight we're not fighting for something. We're like, we're like, like spreading the, like spreading the good word of like. Oh, hey, we want to use that word in association with herpes spreading. <laughs> All right, yeah. That was actually one of my first posters that I developed like like ten years ago. Like, 
stop spreading stigma and you know like don't stop spreading herpes stop spreading stigma and spread positivity spread optimism you know like i hey let's own spread you know like we are spreading something good right that so many people think when when it comes to herpes it's spreading this horrible disease and scarlet letter type shit bullshit like we're spreading like how how to how to own our sexuality in a vulnerable and open and connecting way that's what we're spreading yeah right yeah and this happens to be the catalyst for that a lot of times you know it it, unfortunately some people having sexual trauma needing to communicate that like this is just as hard for some people to communicate because it impacts how you interact with another person at a very vulnerable and intimate level so having this as the opportunity to examine our relationship to sex helps with our ability to not only communicate, but to also have more pleasurable and safe experiences rather than it appearing to need to be on a spectrum of on one end we have safe, on one end we have pleasure. Like this has been an opportunity for us to transcend that binary and have safety and pleasure just through communication. That's beautiful, yes. Yeah, what I always say around that is that people can feel, like the people who have herpes can feel paranoid whenever they have sex with a partner who doesn't have herpes, right? And the paranoia is gets us into our head. And then we can't be in our bodies. And where should we be when, when we're having sex? In our bodies. Like, yeah, we can be in our heads too, but make sure you're also in your body, right? And so when we're paranoid, we're in it. We're, oh my God, what if I, what if I give herpes? What if, what if, oh my God, da, da, da. and it disconnects us from the moment. And then we don't have good connected, a good connection in general. But when we can switch that into being careful, we're full of care with the person that we're with. We've disclosed to them. They know that there's a chance that they can get herpes, but they also know that we, we know our stuff and we're, we're doing everything that we can to minimize that. Again, it's not a, it's not a given, right? But we're doing all that we can to minimize that because we care. Like, I care about you, and I want to keep you safe, right? That connects us to our heart, and that connects us. And and so when we're careful when we're having sex, and that is, like, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, so... Like, that's where connection is. What I'm hearing there is in the prioritization of the overall connection over you know the the connection stemming to that one location of body parts that are going to exchange contact like this is what we're aspiring to we're inspiring we're aspiring to achieve that full connectedness not just that partial connectedness as we might have been used to pre-diagnosis pre-having to disclose and like really evaluate people now as are you someone I want to disclose to? Are you someone I want to have this interaction with? Are you someone who's worth the emotional labor that comes with the disclosure? And identifying right. that early enough means that you're looking at more of a person, those intangible aspects of a person's identity, their character and who they are, how they would show up for you rather than just you know looking to have this exchange with one end goal in mind. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I always say, like, because obviously the number one question that comes up of, like, when do I disclose to this partner that I'm interested in? When do I disclose? Well, the first obvious 
cancer is before you have sex. But before then, there's there can be a stretch of time of like, when's the right time? Well, when you can trust them with your vulnerability. Right? Like that's the that's kind of the summary of like what you just said. Like try when you can trust them to receive your vulnerability in a good way. And that doesn't mean that it's gonna be an absolute yeah. It just means that they're the kind of person that who can have a real conversation. And even if it's a no, they're not the kind of person who's going to judge you and spit in your face and you know all these all these, these extreme things that I always thought was going to happen when I would, when I disclosed. That they're at least the kind of person who you can connect with, whether it's a yes or a no. Yeah, and even for people who might not have time to build that connection over time, there are various ways for people to express whether or not there's someone that you can be vulnerable with, and if it's just like a lustful hookup. I find that one of the more ideal times is always going to be before you take your clothes off. But the minute the conversation goes from talking about sex, talking about what you like, them talking about what they like, to it being how they overlap, where they're talking about what they see doing with you or you're talking about what you see doing with them, that's the line for when disclosure is ideal to happen. Because at that point, it's like, okay, well, now we're into this space of what sex looks like with one another. Now, let's also add in here this aspect of it, like what uh, it means to uh, you can gather what their thoughts are on herpes, on using protection, on communicating different things that need to happen, perhaps talking about their relationship to their body, STI testing, how recently they were tested. What's their relationship to STI testing and that'll tell you a lot there and offer you the opportunity to shortcut to vulnerability through your herpes disclosure given how much of that weighs on us over time because once we let that out based on how a person responds if they react positively that is a almost shortcut to surefire connection in the event that that's you know someone that you want to move forward with so just throwing that out there for anybody who's thinking well what if I just want to hook up and I don't want to have like a, no, a long term? I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah, because inherent in what I just said is kind of like, oh, well, it takes a while before you can actually trust someone with your, when, with your vulnerability. That's actually not the case, right? Sometimes you just know, right? Like you just have a feeling. Like on the on the first time you're hanging out, like you said, you know, maybe maybe it's a one night stand, but like. That one night stand, you still you want to make sure that if you're going to be having sex with someone, you're still going to enjoy it and be connected, even if it's just like a see you later in the morning. You're on the same page about what this experience is going to be, the risks that might be involved, right? Like, I mean, let's this this may sound kind of like uh, you know I'm I'm someone's father here, but let's break it down and say even when even when we're wearing a condom there's still like a 15% chance that we're going to get, the, you know, uh, let me just say, if I'm a man having sex with a woman, there's a 15% chance that we're going to actually get them pregnant. Do we take that into consideration? Right. And the chances of, of getting herpes, especially with, you know, wearing a condom and, and having daily suppressive therapy involved is much less than that. Right. So, so, what you're saying is great because it's like you're 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 taking the opportunity to like even if it is a a one-night stand or a long-term relationship you're taking the time to get to know that person 
on a, on a deeper level and get on the same page, right? You get emotionally connected. Again, not saying, oh my God, we're getting married tomorrow. <laughs> not that kind of emotional connection, but just like, yeah, like let's get on the same page and feel like we really want this together. Again, even if it's for just one night. Yeah. Uh, as someone who's done as much research and stat studying as you have over the years, how do you go about finding accurate information that can be trusted, that is consistent? What, what's your go-to method of researching? Honestly, these days, I don't do a lot of researching. These days, my focus is on the perspective and the, the mindset, right? So that the, the, the fact-finding around that, that, that handout and everything, that came in like the first phase of my own kind of fact-finding mission to feel like, you know, the facts and the, the percentages and everything were going to be the thing to save me. I've updated that sheet here and there over time, but look look at at, at stats, even if it's the that handout, you know, from, from Herpes Opportunity, look at those as a starting point and then go to the trusted sources like Planned Parenthood, you know. Um, Terry Warren is a great wealth of information. Um, she has the Herpes Handbook that's free. It has everything that you would probably need to know about the medical side of things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what I would say about like, just getting really clear on what is it that I'm trying to get out of this? Like what kinds of like, why am I trying to get all the stats that I want to get? Um, obviously, so to, to keep your partner safe and to be on the same page with your partner, but don't get stuck in the stats too much. Because when it comes down to it, if I tell you there's a 2% chance that you're going to give your partner herpes in the course of a year, what does that really mean for your mental health? Am I going to be 2% worried? Like, you, when we break down the stats, we're looking at many, many people across ages and, you know, ethnicities and just all, all this... The, all these different human beings and lumping them together and saying, okay, 2%. Your situation is you're either going to give partner a partner herpes or not. <laughs> but it helps to put it in perspective to be like, oh, it's actually a lower percentage than I might have thought. To me, that was the biggest aha moment where I took the, the, the stats that I uncovered and was like, okay, that's what I'm walking away with this from. I'm going to share these stats with with my partners but with me it was a relief to know that i'm not just gonna like breathe out in public and give everyone herpes it's like no it's 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 a little harder than you might think right it's not nothing but you know put it in perspective right does that help yes it does yeah. so we essentially are the resource when we are able to take these stats and we challenge our experiences with it one of the things that i ask whenever i see that one percent two percent whatever percent is does that mean two out of every hundred strokes i'm putting you at risk for getting herpes two out of every hundred interactions and then if we're doing our best to minimize the risk if you haven't gotten it after stroke 98 or sex 98 then you're gonna get it one of these next two times so this is it that's the course of this relationship uh time for us to move on and i often do surveys um i recently 
uh, last July, I think was when it came out, July 2021. The survey came out where I just asked people various questions about their diagnosis, their mental health, and uh, I do that on kind of a regular basis over Instagram, just with Instagram stories. And interesting finding was that uh, two thirds of people have not knowingly passed herpes on to a past partner. And for me, I'm like, okay, well, would I rather disclose that two thirds of people have not passed herpes on to a partner or that there's a 2% chance of me passing herpes on to a partner. So like the language there, and I think that with being able to get the research done that parallels our life experiences now and the representation and inclusion of uh, members of the non-monogamous community, the LGBT community, because most of what's out there is speaking to HSV2, as if that's the only genital herpes and then using condoms as if penis and vagina sex is the only type of sex that's being had. Whereas we need more representation. And I always say when people are looking at this information, look at it like this barriered sex versus skin to skin contact sex. And you kind of have the same thing when you see male to female or female to male statistics. So if two vulva owners are using a barrier or not using a barrier, this makes the most sense. Uh, All of that said, just to say, you know, we have our lived experiences. And when we come to one another, we come into these spaces, the information is often not just curated, but also challenged. You know, like when you I came across your infographic that has been floating around for years in my experience. So it took for me to put it out and say, hey, you know, this is an older document. Like, let's challenge the information. That's when you came up with, hey, there's new information. That's where other people who are involved in the space step up and they go, hey, you know, let's let's challenge this data. And that's ultimately what I would like to see people do is challenge the information that's out there with your own experience. Like I was told not to eat certain foods, uh, avoid certain supplements. And, you know, I learned those things like after I had herpes and after I had already been chugging peanut butter and eating uh, arginine and down in chocolate on a regular basis, only to find out, you know, eight years after my diagnosis that excessive sugar is what triggers an outbreak for me. So these are just the general things to know as we navigate the data, the statistics, the research. Like I would love for us to see more research, but we also have this thing where we're trying so hard not to be seen, not to be found out that our experiences don't get to make their way We don't get the volume that we need in order to be heard. When our collective experiences are shared, like for instance, someone shared that they had experienced uh, symptoms of psychosis after being on daily antivirals, someone else was like, yo, I had that too. My doctor said that this is what I was experiencing. We absolutely need that. And the only way to do that is to take this as an opportunity to destigmatize our uh, our own internalized stigma and experiences with herpes enough to where we can get that added support. We can get better, more consistent information. We can get better testing. We can get better treatment. But these are the things that we absolutely need to do. Are you getting up on the soapbox? <laughs> rah, rah, rah. Yes, let's do that. Uh, and, and yeah, like you like you said at the end there, it's so true. Like before, it's like this um this 
step-by-step approach, right? Before we feel like we can be free enough to be like, hey, I have herpes and I I had this experience, right? And like pushing against the, the stats, we, we first have to like kind of go through our own internal healing process, you know, to use a cliche term, but like, you know, we, we first need to like at least get through that healing phase enough to then be able to speak out loud and be like, yeah, I, I have herpes. It's not a big deal. Like that, that takes that, that, um, you know, going through that internal process first before we can actually be external about it, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let you get up on your soapbox here and tell us what your offerings are. I know that you mentioned that you offer coaching uh, at www.herpesopportunity.com. Is it dot com? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, it's dot com. Yeah. Yeah. So I do one on one coaching. Uh, there's also a, a self-study uh, guide. It's, a, it's an audio guide on kind of taking you through the phases of kind of healing and, and working through this, this stuff on your own. If you need a framework, if you need structure to kind of go through your own, um, you know, your own mindset shift and finding the opportunity in it. That's what that audio course is for. Um, and, uh, the free ebook and the handout that we, we talked about is there. If you go to herpesopportunity.com and go to that drop down menu of offerings, you'll see all of them there, uh, all the offerings that are offered. Um, but yeah, I'll just say too that I I love this work and I love connecting with you around it. It's like getting me all fired up all over again because it's like this is this is it's like we're just bucking the whole idea that this is going to be the end of something. What if it's the beginning of a, like version 2.0 of you? You know what I mean? Like and that's what gets me so inspired to like connect with people to like even let them know that there's a there's a possibility of something different as opposed to oh this is just something i have to suffer through how do i like how do i do this without infecting my partners and it's like no wait let's let's shift this to a completely new conversation and i just i really i love the work that you're doing around this and and all of our other fellow (laughs) herpes freedom fighters um, so thank you for what you're doing too. This is, this is, it's been awesome to connect. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad that you reached out. Cause I, I I'm not going to say I forgot about you, but I just kind of thought that you might've been doing your own thing behind the scenes. Like with me, I'm not as front facing about herpes necessarily anymore because to me it's, it's at that point in time where we have to see the interconnectedness of our sexual health and mental health. Uh, I'm, a lot more involved with uh, trying to get herpes disclosure workshops together for uh, different organizations that not only have people who have herpes in them, but people who might receive a herpes diagnosis. So like sex positive groups uh, here in sex in Portland, there's a group called sex positive Portland. And we were able to just recently do a workshop that way. And to me, that willingness of people to come together both with herpes and who date people with herpes and get them to uh communicate and understand like okay you might have someone tell you they have herpes here's what not to do right and for people who are disclosing the same thing like people have a right to their feelings about it initially especially to not want herpes shit if i could have not gotten herpes i wouldn't have gotten herpes right but then it comes back to 
then what? So uh, it's really awesome to have been able to connect with you and uh, get a little more insight about what you do and your experience. So I appreciate you coming on here and sharing with us uh, everything that you've shared so far. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you, man. Much appreciated. Yeah. Uh, last question that I have before I let you tell everybody how they can follow you, find you, and engage with you is the statement, sexual health is mental health. What are your initial thoughts on that statement? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that our sexuality is like at the core of us. You know, it's like... Of course, all of the different aspects of us are all one unique, beautiful, whole human being. But our sexuality is like so vulnerable. It's so close to the core that how we relate to our sexual health is such an important aspect around mental health in general, too. It's just it's it, it's so tied in. And unfortunately, our culture is still so like almost puritanical around sex you know but it's like when we can really embrace our sexuality then there's a certain freedom that comes with that that where where we can like you said we can be you know the the kind of person that we really like we can be you know we can be more in this world when we can really own that that most vulnerable core part of ourselves we get to be free of so much more of like society's BS so that we can actually like do something in this world. And the world needs that, needs that. AJ Odell from the Herpes Opportunity. How can people connect with you? How can they find you? Well, I don't really do a lot on social media. So the, the, the website is the number one place, herpesopportunity.com. All right. Thank you so much. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen on. As I mentioned in the beginning by accident, this is still a nonprofit organization. If you want to support us, then your donations are tax deductible. If you're making a big donation, now if you're going to drop like $5, $10 or something like that, please don't make me have to write up the 501c3 letter. But <laughs> anything more than that, don't get me wrong, I'm appreciative of everything. I just don't want to have to write that letter. But uh, yeah, we we lived to fight another year going into the year 2022. Um, we are still doing what we can as far as getting people therapy. Um, I'm connecting people to therapists rather than being able to pay for therapy. I think our last client ends their services this year, actually. Um, and once we get funding or we get a significant amount of money, we'll be able to launch back up the um, group therapy uh, cohorts as well as individual therapy but in the meantime if you reach out I'll talk to you assess what your needs are and then connect you with uh, either resources or a therapist for you to reach out to and connect with directly thank you so much I'm on Instagram Twitter Reddit I caved and I'm on TikTok now at H on my chest till next time stay sex which is inclusive to mental health positive.